reading from the Gospel of John this evening, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth." John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Through the latter part of this Advent season, we've been sort of pursuing a series under the title, What's in a Name? And when I originally conceived of that series, I thought there'd be five or six sermons in it. Now there's only three, and this is the final one. So it didn't quite take the shape that I had anticipated. But looking at Scripture and looking at various Lord's Days in the Heidelberg Catechism, we have considered various aspects of Christ coming into the world under that question. A couple of Sundays back, it is working, good. <laughs> a couple of Sundays back, we looked at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and it said, She, Mary, the Virgin Mary, will bear a son, and you, Joseph, the one to whom the angel was speaking, shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And in that case, the answer to the question, what's in a name, was fairly obvious, because if we were to take the Hebrew form of Jesus, Jehoshua, and render it into English, it would mean, literally, God saves. So the angel was saying to Joseph, you will call his name God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. Last Sunday, we found the truth of this in John chapter 1, where we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If we take those two threads from the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John and we weave them together, we see that when Jesus saves, God saves. Because Jesus, the Word, as he's known in the early verses of John chapter 1, was and is God. And it's that confidence, that faith, that belief that's absolutely essential to our salvation. It's not enough 
to simply believe that there once was a good man named Jesus who lived and died in first century Israel and had a lot of really nice things to say, talked a lot about love and harmony and peace and things like that. John wrote, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now just very quickly, that kind of creates a distinction, because there are those who did not receive him, and they were not given the right to become children of God, and there were those who did, who believed in his name, to whom he gave that right. In other words, he saved those who believed in his name, those who had faith in him, those who trusted in him, which means that we're not talking about those who merely accepted that Jesus existed, not then, not now. There were many in those days who fell into that category. John chapter 6 describes a day when Jesus fed about 5,000 men plus women and children with just five barley loaves and two small fish. And that particular miracle, like so many of the signs that he performed, created this enthusiastic crowd. And so the very next day when that mob woke up and discovered that Jesus had gotten into a boat and crossed to the other side of the lake at night, they all found boats or they, they walked and they followed him all the way to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. When Jesus saw them, he didn't feed them again. In John chapter 6, verses 35 to 40, he said to them, maybe I guess he did feed them, he just fed them something far more valuable than bread. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, there's more, of course. I skipped a couple of verses in the middle there, and there's about 30 more verses that follow this, where Jesus is proclaiming the fact that he is the bread of life to these people who have come to him, not looking for a sermon, just looking to have their stomachs filled with free bread. Missionaries used to call them rice Christians, people who came to Christianity just for the rice and not for the gospel. But when Jesus stopped meeting felt needs and began to preach, those who had so recently been the recipients of his largesse began to grumble and dispute with him. And in verse 66 of the very same chapter in John, we read, after this, after this sermon that Jesus proclaimed, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So clearly they knew that Jesus existed. They believed in his existence, but they didn't trust in him. They didn't believe in his name, so they turned back and they ceased to follow. But those who didn't turn back, those who received him, who believed in his name, both then and now to them, to those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, 
Jesus granted salvation in his name, for in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the word who was God, the same word who became flesh and dwelt among us, according to John 1.14. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I have heard that in earlier days in the Christian church, when the Gospel of John was read, and the reader, the officiant, would get to that part, the word became flesh, that the congregation would kneel at that point. Um, probably they were standing for the reading of the word in the first place, and when the, when the reader said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, the congregation would kneel down at the wonder and the awe of God made man. This is not God who is sort of joining himself to a human being or something along those lines. It is God who is taking on flesh and becoming like us for us and for our salvation. And it's in that that we see his glory, glory as of the only Son, the only begotten Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the glory that was spoken of by the multitude of heavenly hosts who appeared above the hills near Bethlehem, saying, glory to God in the highest. They weren't praising a baby in the manger. They were praising the living God who sent his Son and they were praising the Son who was made man to bring peace and salvation and life and light to his people. This is the same glory that was manifested by Jesus, we're told in John chapter 2, when he turned water into wine, the very first sign that he did in order to manifest his glory. This is the glory that was seen by his disciples in his transfiguration on the mountain. And this is the glory of which he spoke in John chapter 17, verses 4 and 5, when he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given to him. See, it wasn't the glory of a baby. It was the glory of a Savior who is Christ the Lord, a Savior who is God in human flesh, come into this world to bear our sin and to pay the penalty so that we could have life in his name. John goes on and says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And this is why the word became flesh. John, John 1, verse 18, no one has ever seen God. We have to know him in order to have eternal life, but no one has ever seen him, the only begotten God, who sits, who is at the right, at the Father's side, he has made him known. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Because no one has ever seen God, but Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, has made him known. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. May we pray. Father in heaven, we pray that as we contemplate the mystery and the wonder of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ being made man, that Lord, we would be moved to awe and we would be moved to worship. We pray, Father, that as we contemplate the wonder of our salvation that you sent him in human flesh to bear the penalty for our sins so that we could be made your righteousness in him, we would be moved to truly worship. At this season, when we so often focus on a baby in a manger, help us, Lord, to lift our eyes from that manger and see the cross that was looming in the background all through the years of his life. But then help us to lift our eyes even beyond the cross to the glory that was his with you before the world began and which you restored to him when you raised him up and seated him at your right hand in heavenly places. Father, we pray that we would see our Savior, our Lord, our King, Jesus Christ, revealed to us gloriously throughout his life and especially now seated at your right hand, reigning over all things by the word of his power, that we would follow him as Lord wherever he would lead and that we would worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In his precious and holy name we pray, amen.